Hello everybody, Todd Coconado with Remnant Radio, and I am so excited and honored and privileged uh, to have Alveda King, and she is uh, an evangelist, and she's actually the director of the Civil Rights for the Unborn for Priests of Life. Alveda, welcome to the program. That's Priest for Life, and the web address is org. Thank so you. I'm glad to join you. How are you today? Thank How are you. How are you listening? Hey, everybody. Well, we're, we're, we're living. We're doing pretty good. <laughs> lot okay. Go, a lot going on in our world, as you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I had an opportunity to speak with you and meet, meet you this year at NRB down in Orange County. So it's great. And I, we're so thankful to have you on the show today. I'm glad to be with you. And it's a good time to talk and encourage America because we know that many people are mourning and grieving and our hearts and prayers go out but we want to encourage everybody i saw a little fellow on the news and he said that uh, 22 people had died in one of the shootings and so why doesn't everybody go out and do kind things to 22 people i love that i thought that was beautiful Yes, it certainly is, and uh, there's so many things to, to what you just said. Exactly, is is that we're just coming off of two mass shooting events here in the United States, and I know that uh, you know you have a heart for people and for our nation, and uh, you know that's what you do. And so, uh, why don't you share with us a little bit about what you're currently up to, Mrs. King, and you know how how we can support you in your ministry? Well, we have civil rights for the unborn dot org, and over there. We work to protect the lives of the unborn babies, the children, and the women, certainly the elderly and the sick as well, and uh, just care about all humanity. I'm working with Kathleen Davis over at the Restoration Project and Dean, Dean Nelson at the Douglas Leadership Institute in Civil Rights and the Unborn. The three of us have come together, our organization, and have organized a National Day of Mourning mm. on August 31st in Birmingham. So wow. that's something else we're doing. Wow, yes. And I mean, you have a huge heart for life. I have a huge heart for life. We're getting ready. We're ramping up now to 2020. And I know you've been pretty vocal about your support for the president and some of his policies, yes. especially when it comes uh, to the, the right for life. And so what are some of the things that you're seeing out there that this administration is doing to stand for life? Well, we're so glad that President Trump has investigated and had and given instructions to the various agencies to take a look at not spending money on agencies that abort babies. Yes. It's been very good at that, and we're very grateful for that. The reversal of the Mexico City policy, where we don't send any of our tax dollars overseas to organizations that provide abortions. And he is in full support of all the legislation that protects the babies, but he cares about the mothers and the families as well. And he is saying that there have to be other alternatives and other ways to serving America without abortion yes yes and uh you know i've done a lot of study on abortion all the way back to margaret sanger and you know the uh, the introduction of planned parenthood and i know that you're very informed on this topic uh this, this comes up a lot when i talk to people especially people that haven't done research on planned parenthood can you just give a little insight to your background and what you know about that and there again, I'm going to mention that website one more just because a lot of this information is there yes. at civilrights.org. But Margaret Sanger founded Planned Parenthood around, uh, around 1939. She started looking at what she called women's rights and women managing their reproductive um, rights and that kind of thing. But she also was a secret eugenicist. Mm. And she wanted to control the black population specifically 
but others of what she called useless eaters. That yes. was one of her terms. And she said that colored people are like weeds, they need to be exterminated, but we don't want to get that word out. So let's come up with something, uh, cultivating their own people and making them think that we can give them something good. But what she really gave, because today, through efforts of Planned Parenthood and other eugenicists and abortion providers, is over uh, 20 million abortions of black babies, but wow. over 60 million of all babies in America legally. Mm. And that's just kind of very distressful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've even heard numbers in New York City where more African-American babies are killed than born. That, that to me... Yeah, upside-down numbers. And, but it's not... And, and I'm African-American, so certainly civil rights for unborn deals with that issue. But all the babies yes. and all the mothers who've been harmed by the abortions... I had two secret abortions in the 70s and tried, you know, mm. tried to suppress them and all that. And then when I was born again, I began to talk about it yeah. and to find out I wasn't the only one who had been fooled and misused and tricked. Yes. So mothers have suffered a lot of the breast cancer and all that. There are many reasons for it, but they won't tell you that the shots and the pills to prevent pregnancy and the devices that are soaked in those chemicals or the abortions themselves mm. are also tied to yes. uh, breast cancer. Yes, and, and, and you're an evangelist. You love the Lord. You're open about your relationship with Jesus Christ. What, why is it that the church culture is getting so lapsed on this? You know, I mean, there's pastors out there that are afraid to even talk about the issue of abortion. Why is that? Well, unfortunately, pastors have been told you don't want to hurt women's feelings, and that's their rights. And especially if you're a male pastor, what do you know about it anyway? Mm. But, you know, my granddad saved me from abortion in 1950. My mom was pregnant. And she had heard the person told me that became Planned Parenthood was advocating for abortions and birth control and all that. And he, she was pregnant. He said, that's not a lump of flesh. That's my granddaughter. I saw her in a dream three years ago. Mm. She has bright skin and bright red hair. And she's going to bless many people. Now, me, you can't do this. Meaning, that was her nickname. Yes. My mom listened, and she did not abort me. And that was a man telling a woman, don't do it. And she's so glad he told her that. Mm. She's so glad. Well, and we are too. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. You know, recently there's been a lot of talk. Uh, it it kind of comes up every once in a while. I feel like the news cycle, it's like, you know, first they talk about Russia, then they talk about racism. It just kind of, you know, shifts from week to week back to the same old topics. And you have been very uh, bold and outspoken about this area. Do you feel President Trump is racist? Actually, I know President Trump is not racist. Racist, basically, for anybody. And this is hard for people to grasp at first. But if you read Acts 17, 26, the one blood God made all people. Yes. So we are the human race. We have just different ethnicities and distinctions among the ethnicities. But we are one human race. Yes. Now, when President Trump, when they asked him when he was a candidate, what are you going to do about racism? He said, everybody needs a job. Everybody needs to be safe. Everybody needs an opportunity to exercise their faith, whatever that happens to be. And I'm going to make sure all Americans get that. So right. when he was first, he said, we all believe the same. Mm. And so he sees us as human beings. He sees us certainly as Americans. Yeah. And so he's really not a racist. But I noticed that the race baiters keep throwing out the name George Wallace. Mm. Well, George Wallace was one of the worst racists in the history of America. But he repented. He apologized. Right. He said he was wrong before he died. Right. And so they won't mention that he had a change of heart 
and he realized that he had been mistreating his brothers and sisters. President Trump certainly is not a racist. He was, he's never been. All the way back, uh, many years ago, he condemned white supremacy. That's right. And he's been doing that still, he's still doing that. That's right. And so, you know, I feel like there's a, the media, the mainstream media, you know, is really good at propagating lies and propaganda uh, to the American people. Unfortunately, especially in the younger generation, you are an elder, you're an evangelist, you're someone we look up to, Alvita, uh, you know, to the Thank young... You. To the younger generation, you know, what would you say? Because I know there's a lot of people that listen, and, and you have a voice, and there's authority in what you say. You know, what, because they're confused about this area. Can, can you shed some light from a spiritual standpoint? Well, I'm so blessed to often talk to millennials. Some of my own children are actually the younger ones. And then I've got grandchildren. So uh, do your homework, study, find out that we really are one human race. Begin to treat each other as human beings. And to take advice from a little young man who says they go and do kind things for 22 people and just begin to speak kindly and not fearfully or in anger. The more we do that, then the more likely we're going to come together. Yes, yes. What do, what do you see right now as the biggest challenge to our nation? You know, as you're out there speaking, you're out there on the news, you know, what do you see as the biggest problem that we're facing right now? As a Christian evangelist, I have a book, America Returning to God. It's by Alveda King. Yes. And uh, just coming back to God to pray, to seek the Lord for answers to our problem. President Trump says we don't worship government, we worship God. I agree with that. So it's not going to be politics that will save us. Only mm. God can do that. Yes, yes. What what can spiritual leaders do? I mean, obviously being more bold, we talked a little bit about it. They have to, you know, be that fatherly figure, be that man of God, you know, a man, woman, it doesn't matter who it is. We need to speak truth. You know, what can we do? I mean, I, I, I think about the Bible that says to be the head and not the tail. And I feel like we have, as a church culture, we have really allowed culture to kind of rule us. And it seems like for the last 30 years or so, that's what's been going on. How can the church lead again? What can we do? You mentioned repentance, you know, standing for the full word of God. I mean, is this, this is what we need, right? Once we repent, and that's what we did in the uh, 1960s. I was a youth organizer all those years ago. My dad, Reverend A.B. King, was one of my best teachers mm. about how to walk out a godly, civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr., certainly his brother and my uncle, and my granddaddy, A.D. Uh, Martin Luther King Sr. But what we must do after we examine our own souls is to repent, confess, and then ask God to guide us. And we must come together according to Second Chronicles 7, 14. Yes. And, you know, we're called by God's name. We humble ourselves and pray, turn from our wicked ways, yes. and seek heaven for answers. We honor you, and we, we appreciate you being on the show. You have our number. If you ever want to come back on, you have an open invitation, and we just thank you. We're wow. praying for you. Thank you, Mrs. King. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye now. And we will be back with more Remnant Radio.